Good morning, Solid Rock. Welcome to Church in Facebook. Blessings to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to share this morning on the ministry of restoration. Um, caring for one another is, is more than just our concept of what we think care is, but Galatians actually puts a real uh, strong emphasis upon this particular ministry. I want to insert uh, the Gospels into this before I go on because the Gospels are the foundation to the needs in the epistles. So Jesus is talking to Philip. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me, and the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. That's a secret to any epistle. It's the Father who does the work of restoration. It's the Father who actually said and gave us the instructions. It's the Father who exposes the condition of our hearts. <clears throat> and when we get to the book of, of uh, Galatians, uh, he's, he kind of sets some truth in, 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 uh, in motion. So 6 verse 1 says, Brethren, if any man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. What I get out of that verse is this. You cannot be legalistic and restore somebody. You can't be in the fallen state to restore somebody. So watching ourselves when we're helping others, he sets a standard for it. And that's what I want to share a little bit about that. The, the theme and message of this letter to the Galatian church is the good news of justification into heirship is by faith alone. Justification into heirship is achieved without the law of works. This book is God's defense against legalistic dictators. Then another verse that he, that he writes in verse 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. That's another powerful verse. So he approaches the Galatian church in a certain attitude, but he also exposes their condition. Why? Because he wants to restore them. He wants to bring them back into right fellowship with him. It doesn't mean they were lost. They just put their dependence on something that was not going to work for them. When you depend on the law for your righteousness, what you do is you cut yourself off from the heirs of promise. 
because you can never perform the requirements of the law to achieve the promises because they're all by faith. So this is, this is kind of like the essence of the book as far as I can see. Bewitched means to cast an evil eye on, to harm, to cause harm with unfavorable words. What he's saying here is words count. When we say what the Bible says, that has an effect. When we deceive by what the Bible doesn't say, it also has an effect. Words do count. And so these Judaizers came down with an evil eye. They cast their evil eye on these young churches with the idea, with a cunning deceitfulness, to bring them into a system that would not ever work for them. They would never achieve the will of God because they're not under grace. Satan began his deception in the heavens and is constantly intensifying his agenda here on earth and in the cosmos. All over, all over the world, we can see the deception of Satan working everywhere. That's the reality. God doesn't tolerate it, so he dealt with it through the cross. He actually dealt with it through the cross. The depth of his deception, this is Satan, the depth of his deception has so blinded him to truth, he cannot recognize his own deception. He had been totally defeated, disarmed, yet thinks he can still do what he always did. The only problem is, in the church, it doesn't work that way because the church is the house of God. These are the children of God. He is attacking the very heart of God's love. And that God will not tolerate. This is deception in its complete state. Satan demonstrates the, the complete state of, de of deception. Complete deception knows no boundaries. Satan did not, Satan did plant his deceitful character into all of humanity. All have sinned and come short. But the cross is God's answer. The cross is God's defense against the enemy. It's the cross, and only the cross. During Paul's absence, there were teachers from Palestine who came, and they entered in stealth form. In other words, they didn't come announcing who they were, what they were represented, and what they wanted to do. They came in as a stealth to, for the purpose of teaching them about the law and circumcision and all the demands that the law requires of them. To be a true Christian, they must submit. This is what they said. If you want to be a true Christian, you must submit to the Jewish regulations of circumcision. 
they maintain that all Galatian Christians must remain faithful to the complete law of Moses if they want to have proper righteousness. The Judaizers attacked these new, newly birthed churches that were full of new believers. This wasn't just one church. This is the churches of Galatia. And so it's, it's spread quite wide. The impact, they imp, this impacted the immature Galatians. These Christians accepted this system with great passion. They bought right into it. So this is kind of the setting of the book. This is, this is the nature of the book, why the book is written. It's a, it's a conflict between God and the enemy. It's a conflict between truth and error. It's a conflict between God and the satanic world. That's what the book's written about. There's a, there's, a, there's a contending for those who belong to him. And God is going to contend for you. No matter where you are, God will contend for you. And he will offer you his grace, no matter where you are, in order to restore this true relationship with him. Let me give you some points. Number one, the, father, the father's purpose is to contest the, this heresy. So when you read the book of Galatians, you can see how God actually takes and defends truth, but exposes the error for the benefit of the people. And so he actually, his purpose is to contend with heresy. What the Judaizers were saying, the work of Christ on the cross is inadequate for salvation. The Judaizers offered that salvation could only be possible through the keeping of the law. Totally contrary to the new covenant. Why? Because they didn't accept the Messiah and they don't accept the new covenant. And when you don't accept the new, you're already deceived. When Jesus was anchored on that cross, he became sin for all of the people in the world. He was put to death for the sin of deception, buried it, and rose triumphantly out of it. The scriptures reveal that everyone can be justified by faith in Christ's atoning work alone. That's all you need. Not by works of the law. So the basic foundational truth is fundamental to the ministry of restoration. So when you look at this book, you can learn the attitude toward restoration, the process toward restoration, the truth to restoration, and the liberation from what's wrong. It's, it's all in this book. It's a, ma it's a masterpiece. Number two, 
Restoration always requires an application of Christ and the cross. Galatians 6 verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you be also tempted. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an approach to those who are deceived. He calls them brethren. He doesn't say, oh, you approached, or you who are deceived. He calls them brethren. And, and I'll get into that a little later, but there's a meaning, there's reason why he said that. And in this verse, he also puts the, the spirit in the motion in this verse. You who are spiritual, what does that mean? And then he says, the spirit of meekness, he gets a condition that the Holy Spirit has that we're to operate out of. Number three, the cross is the Father's provision for the purpose of restoring people's relationship with himself. Heart, this is the heart qualities of a restorer. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Have grace. Having the grace of the Lord functioning in your inner personality becomes key to restoring people. Because what you do when you do that, you actually are put yourself in a position to function under the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you put yourself in a place where you can be successful in what the Father wants you to do. I find that just very amazing. And the reason why, you see, the reason why the Holy Spirit becomes so, so needed because he is... He is the one who fulfills the covenant. He applies the covenant to the heart of the believer, no matter where they are, what condition they're in. That's number one. Number two, he has the ability to tell you through the gifts of the Spirit what he's thinking and what he's seeing and what he once said. But also, you put yourself in the frame encompassed in the fruit of the Spirit, the very essence of the nature of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when you do that, what happens is that becomes part of the person you're restoring. The same, the same effect that the Holy Spirit, the power, the gifts, and the fruit have on your life while you're ministering to somebody, is the very thing they will receive. It's powerful. It's a powerful ministry. The fact is, what everyone needs is grace. Grace that will strengthen and cleanse within. 
And we must see people as our brothers and sisters, not as sinners. The Father looks at these people who were totally gone away from depending on the grace of God and the, and the cross for the all-sufficiency of salvation to this other system, and he calls them brothers. Do you know why? Because they're his. They're his. It, it, it's, an, it's a word of endearment. My brother, my brother, my sister. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a humble, the humble words of endearment that draws the heart. It draws the heart of people. And so it's like, it's like, hmm, grace is required. That's the requirement of salvation through faith. So grace is always required. <clears throat> so the more grace we have, the more grace they feel. When we function under the grace of God, we actually influence by the grace of God. And what we say has the divine favor and divine ability of God in the words we speak into the situation. They are our brothers and sisters. Be spiritual. Function in meekness. This is kind of like the brief picture of a restorer. And if you, want a, if you want a full picture of the restorer, I'll paint it this way. The father already painted the picture. What we have to do is see the picture and follow the picture. In other words, everything he said and everything he did was to restore the fallen world to our relationship with him. And he did it his way. He did it with his power. He did it with his method. Without compromising any holiness or righteousness. The, to be in fault is to fall by the wayside. I mean, the, the, this word gives us a picture of the condition of the Christians. They had fallen by the wayside. They were not on the path of grace. They are now taken off the path of grace and putting onto the path of the law. Without the ability to even keep any of the law. That's the defeated part of it. So what these Judaizers were teaching is, follow me, because I'll show you a way of failure. I'll show you a way where you can't achieve anything that God requires of you. And that is true deception. These new believers, just to put it by definition, they made a mistake. They made a mistake in following a different system. They made a mistake by following a system that God had already fulfilled through his son and put it away 
and Jesus fulfilled all the requirements of the law, so there were no more requirements of the law to be righteous because Jesus fulfilled them all, and for, therefore our righteousness is in Christ Jesus alone. The condition of the Galatian church reveals error or faults of weakness. It does not necessarily fail to imply culpability. Faults result from exclusion of care, a lack of attentiveness on one's own personal spiritual concerns, and the lack of ordinary diligence. In other words, these were new believers, so they were very susceptible to deception. And so the diligence they didn't give to was what Paul had said to them when they got saved. They didn't diligently say, no, 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 this is how we got saved. Why do I need another way? So we who are restorers, we concentrate on those that this book is addressed to. In other words, if you want to know how to restore somebody, read the book. It's very instructive. It's very revealing. And actually separates a whole lot of things that we don't have to concern about, but just follow. It also reveals God's marvelous grace. God is now coming to them and offering them his favor and his divine ability to return to him. That's why everyone is left without excuse. The Father comes in mercy, in grace, just like he did when you got saved. And that's an awesome thing to remember. This grace that atoned for their sins was released to the operation of the restoration by the Holy Spirit. So the grace was released. That's why, they, that's why we can function in the ministry of restoration because his grace, his divine favor and divine ability has been released through the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit becomes so key to this particular ministry. In their hearts, in order to bring them to, a, to be placed, this is the goal of restoration, is to come to a place and be placed into sonship and heirs of the promise. You see, people... People who depend on the law are not in the promises. They are not in the promises, ladies and gentlemen. They are not in the promises. You cannot be saved by the works of the law. You'll never attain to the promise. And one of the biggest promises was this. The infilling and regeneration and power by the Holy Spirit. It is grace that is 
to sustain people. Grace sustains. Jesus, uh, the Father said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It will sustain you. It will guide you because it's my favor that's on your life. To equip them to believe, to be living witnesses. Grace is the greatest witness in the world because it doesn't talk about our part. It talks about the Father's part and the Son's sacrifice and what the Father has now to offer you because of the cross. It's to fill their hearts with peace that passes all understanding. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you. These words are endearing words. They are words that penetrate the very soul of a person's heart. I want you to remember something. Every person has a spirit and a soul. And that is the essence of who they are. And the spirit is where the Holy Spirit works through and influences the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so when we come to the ministry of restoration, we're not just restoring mind thoughts and philosophy. We are restoring the very essence of who the person is to the relationship of their Father in heaven. It's also to restore their joy that is to be unspeakable and full of glory. Nothing short of that. You can never be joyful and full of glory under the law because you can't keep it and you're forever guilty. How can you be joyful if you're always guilty? If you're always found deficient, you'll never have joy and you can never have this occupied glory. And the last one is to bring them back to their inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and not fading away. That's the work of grace. That's the work of grace. The Father reveals Jesus in all his fullness of saving power by revealing to them his full title, and this is it. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord refers to the Father, Jesus refers to the Son, and Christ refers to the Holy Spirit. And here's the point. He reveals this to them for this reason. All three in the divinity are out to restore your life. And we function under the authority of the complete trinity in the ministry of restoration. Paul, being under the power of the Holy Spirit, uttered Jesus' full name. Which, which actually deserves divine, genuine attention. 
And Christ was qualified to be appointed in his human nature to become our mediator. Listen to this, because this is important when you're restoring or ministering to people, no matter where you are. He fulfilled and is the prophet. He's the high priest and he's the eternal king. Acts 2.36. The book focuses the attention on the Galatian condition with answers. It reveals the necessity of having the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in the inner personality. Meaning this. This is what that means. The Holy Spirit in you has quickened your spirit and made you alive unto God, and your inner personality is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. When you put the three of them together, the Holy Spirit in you wants to be part and function out of every part of your soul, your thinking, your emotions, and your actions. So a restorer, in my way of thinking, needs to allow the Holy Spirit to control our soul and dominate our soul, dominate our thinking, our feelings, our actions, because they're to be in line with who the Holy Spirit is. And when we fall into that category, we fall into putting our mind, our will, and our emotions under the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine our thinking being under the power of the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine our feelings being under the power of the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine our, our actions being part and under the power of the Holy Spirit? I mean, that's phenomenal. But that's God's will for you as a minister of restoration or a minister anywhere. And when we, when we fall into that, when we come into that, to that control of the Holy Spirit, what happens is there's gifts that are released and there's the fruit that's released and there's the divine grace that's released and there's divine ability that's released. You see, it's not what I can do. It's what he can do through me. It's not what, who I am. It's who he is in me. That becomes the essence of all of our ministry. That becomes the power of everything we think of. Let me give you some conclusions here. Number one, to promote and produce true liberty in the heart of those deceived in bondage. Number two, to enable all Galatian churches, or whoever you're ministering, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, in the liberty with Christ has set you free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't even go there. Don't even think about it. Why would he say that to them? Because that's what they did. So now he's teaching them that what they did is what they should never do again. Number three, bear one another's burdens by always helping out 
people out of where they are. That's not right. The last one is this, to do good to everybody, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Hallelujah. I hope this message helps you. I hope this message has equipped you, but I hope this message also has given you the idea that no matter where you are, no matter where you are, God is interested in you and loves you. God bless you. Have a great day.